What I love about Impact is that Impact is so many different elements coming together. And I specifically love, for those of you who have maybe been in Impact for a while, we haven't always done the format this way before. We used to have it where we'd like come in right at 7, worship opener would be right then, and then we go do all of our worship, and then we do message, and then we go out and hang out. And I love this new format for so many different things because you guys and the Impact Band are about the best hype man I could ever ask for before preaching. Because, like, I'm standing at the back there, and I'm, like, all, like, thinking about my sermon and stuff. And then it's just, like, slowly the room just starts going up and down until Megan can probably attest. Like, I'm just, like, a fool back there. don't even know what I'm doing. But it was great because I'm so hyped and ready to go. And the fact that after I'm done here... You guys are going to have another moment with God to be able to let things sink in and, and let the Holy Spirit do its work. Because here's the thing. Impact, we, we really rely on the Holy Spirit. Like, we've, we've, we've tried doing it, like, just out of our own abilities. Like, I've been parts of times or years where we're just like, we're going to make it awesome. And it doesn't really work. Because the impact leaders are great, but the sum of all of us isn't enough to change you at all. Isn't it enough to help you? Isn't it enough to give you what you need for your life, for the next challenge you're facing, for the challenge you're in right now? The sum total of me and all the other impact leaders isn't enough. That's why we rely on the Holy Spirit, and that's why we rely on the Word of God, because that, amazingly enough, has everything you'll ever need. So, today we're going to be going to the book of Philemon, and those of you who may not who maybe you haven't been in the Bible as long as some other people, maybe uh, you've never read the book of Philemon in depth. We're, it's an actually a really short book because it's a letter. A lot of the books of the Bibles are a letter, but this one specifically is a letter from Paul to one other person about another person. So there's only like three people involved in this. So the book is called Philemon because it's the letter that Paul wrote to Philemon. You with me so far? For those of you who don't know, Paul's a big time pastor, apostle, teacher in the Christian church after this time. He's going all around the Mediterranean. He's dropping churches wherever he goes, and he's meeting people, and people are coming to follow him. So there's a situation where Paul goes to this great place called Colossae, and he starts preaching about Jesus there, and he founds a church, and a guy named Philemon who was a rich guy, gets saved. Now, a little bit of Bible trivia. If there was a book of the Bible that was also related to a church in Colossae, what book do you think that would be? Colossians. So you can go and read knowing that the book of Colossians was written to that church. A little bit of side trivia. So Philemon and another dude named Epaphras start a church in Colossae. However, somewhere between when the church started... And when Paul wrote Philemon, an event occurred that Paul's going to write about. This event involves Philemon and a man named Onesimus. Everyone say Onesimus. Onesimus. So we're going to have Philemon over here. Philemon over here. And... Before you comment on my spelling, don't worry, I've looked it up. Onesimus. Now, Onesimus is, from what we can gather, a slave of Philemon's. So Philemon is a rich owner. 
Now, you guys have to understand, in the time period that we're talking about, this is not an expression. This is not a, Onesimus was a slave to his boss. Like his boss was, no. Onesimus was probably literally bought and sold, and Philemon, potentially before he became a Christian, bought Onesimus for money, and Onesimus belonged to him as a slave. And we know from the Bible and some other clues that we get around that Onesimus did something that was wrong to Philemon. He stole something, he mismanaged something, something so bad that he ended up running away. So, Onesimus and Philemon have this relationship of slave to master, which isn't that great, but at least it's kind of a relationship. And then all of a sudden, Onesimus does something. We're going to say that he stole something. That's the most likely thing that we can figure out from the Bible, that he stole something. And all of a sudden, there is now this wall between them that's conflicting their relationship. Woohoo! All right. Okay, hold your... Seriously, I'm not Nathan Turner or anything. Just relax. There's this wall between them. There's this conflict. And here's the thing. If you were to be a logical person looking at this conflict, you could see a lot of different sides to it. Onesimus was a slave. I think most of you could agree that would really suck. Onesimus, maybe he stole something so he could be free. Maybe he stole something because he had worked forever and he wasn't getting paid. Maybe he ran away because he was being mistreated. I don't know. From the other side... Got to be honest, and I'm going to sound like a jerk, but Philemon in that time wasn't doing anything wrong. We don't know how well or how badly he treated Onesimus. Maybe he was, I don't know. We don't know what was going on, but we can see that there's two sides to this. Now, there's one key thing. Onesimus and Philemon were both Christians. Ooh. And... Onesimus actually ended up with Paul. So Onesimus travels and kind of goes to find Paul and eventually does find him. And so Paul, sitting with Onesimus, does something very radical. He writes this letter of Philemon, this letter to Philemon. He gives it to Onesimus and he says, Onesimus, you go back to Philemon, give him this letter, and you guys got to work things out. So, I'm now going to read this letter. It's not that long, but I am going to read it all. So, you can sit back and enjoy it. If you have your own Bible, you can follow along. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia, Archpis, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of how your love and faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I want to say pay attention every time Paul mentions Christ, every time Paul mentions Jesus. So here he just said, every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation in your love because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed by you, brother. Therefore, though I might be very bold in Christ to command you what is fitting, 
Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, being one, being such a one as Paul the aged, and now a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains, who once was unprofitable to you, but is now profitable to you and to me. I'm sending him back. You therefore receive him, that is my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in chains for the gospel. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be done by compulsion, as it were, but voluntary. For perhaps Onesimus departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord Jesus. If then you count me as a partner, receive him as you would me. But if he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that... (laughs) I always laugh at this part. (laughs) Sorry. I, Paul, am writing with you in my own hand, period. I will repay, not to mention that you owe me even your own self besides... Paul's got a little bit of a dig in there. He's like, don't worry, I'll pay you, but you still really owe me. One translation said, Paul goes, I will pay back everything, but you still owe me your life. And I was like, whoa, Paul, Paul. Having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust through your prayers Uh, I trust through your prayers I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Jesus Christ, greets you, as do Mark, Aris, Charsus, Desmus, Luke, my fellow laborers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. So, I don't know if you followed all of that, but we're going to work through it. Slave to master. Legitimate offense. All right? We're talking about a situation here that is not small. This is a big deal. Onesimus was a slave. No matter what you think about what he did, that is unjust. None of us believe that slavery is okay. Philemon is a Christian and is an owner. Whether or not we think it was right, Philemon's stuff is his stuff. And he was trying to do things right, at least according to this letter we see. And the offense was real. Clearly, both parties are unhappy about something. And I want you to take a moment, and I want you to take this situation before we put any of the gospel or anything on it, and apply. think about one that applies to you. Because it's really easy to talk about Onesimus and Paul. It's really difficult when you're one or the other. I've been walking this out over the past couple years. There has been situations where I feel like myself or people that are close to me have been wronged. And I'm not talking about people outside of this building. I'm talking about people inside. And regardless of what side you look at it, both sides think they have something to say. And man, it has not been easy to read about Philemon and read about forgiveness and reconciliation. So I want you guys to know this is as much applying to me and stretching me to say these words and walk them out as it probably is you. And I called my message rooted because ultimately what we are rooted in will decide the strength of our relationships. 
What you, the simple analogy is what you put a plant in decides how well it will grow. Yes, I know there's other things like water and fertilizer, but ultimately, if you were just to put a bare plant on stage, it wouldn't grow. It needs to be rooted in something. And outside of God, outside of the gospel, outside of what we're about to talk about, your relationships won't go that deep, and the first sign of offense will break them. But I also want to clarify something. Paul said there, he said, I appeal to you, not command. And that's what I'm doing tonight. I'm not going to command you. I could. And some of you flinched at that. That's okay. I could. I could, I could say, guys, the Bible says this and you should do it. And I would be right. The Bible does say that. You should do it. But I'm actually going to appeal to you because Paul makes an interesting thing he talks about in verse 89. He says, I appeal to you that it may benefit you. That it would bring about good in your life. That it would change you. Because if I command you, who knows what's going to happen. But I appeal to you guys for your own sakes for your own relationships, for your future wife or husband that's waiting in many years, for all of your friendships that are coming up, for your continued relationship with parents and siblings and everything, I appeal to you, take this to heart. So Paul decides that he's going to get real nosy and insert himself into this situation that he, some would say, he has no business in. Paul says, guess what, Philemon, Onesimus, has changed. He who is not useful to you has now become useful to you. In fact, he's become so useful that I want to keep him with me. Paul's like, dude, I don't want to send Onesimus back. I want to keep him. But Paul goes, it's your choice. So Paul says, I'm sending Onesimus back that he may be useful to you and not that he would be a slave. Does anyone remember what did Paul say He says, I'm sending him back to you as more than just a slave. I hope that you would embrace him as a brother. As a brother. And Paul also tells Onesimus, hey, guess what? You got to go back to Philemon. I know it's going to be difficult. I know it's not going to be easy. I'm going to do my best to help you. But you got to go back and you got to make things right. And I want you to receive in the letter to also receive Philemon as a brother. And something I find interesting, and I'm not going to dive into this too much, and I want to be careful not to say something that the Bible isn't saying, but Paul doesn't mention that Onesimus is not going to work for Philemon still. Just saying. Paul didn't say, hey, you should receive Onesimus back and give him half your wealth and you guys should share equally. Or, hey, you should just go drop by and visit and then come back to me. He's like, nope, you still work for Philemon. I don't know. That's not an easy thing to hear. Some of you are going back to pretty crappy Philemon's next week. Guess what? Your parents aren't perfect. I know that. My parents aren't perfect. I still live with them. I'm 26. That's, that proves to be an interesting situation sometimes. I've worked for a lot of different bosses. I get it. 
But Paul is calling both of them up to it. But Paul puts in a caveat. He says, hey guys, guess what? Instead of this offense, I'm putting myself in between this. And I'm going to draw a stick person because I really don't know how better to do it. He goes, I'm putting myself in between. Philemon, if Onesimus owes you anything, I will pay it. We have no idea how much that could be. Paul's currently a prisoner. He's not exactly sitting on stacks of cash. (laughs) Paul's like, no, no, no. Anything he owes you, you can put on me. And for Onesimus, Paul says, I'm giving my guarantee that this guy has changed. I'm giving my guarantee that this guy is not going to go back and do the same thing that he did to you before. Those are two big things. Paul is, he's not taking one side. He's actually taking both sides. He's not asking for a guarantee from everyone. He's telling both sides that he'll guarantee the other side of it. He's saying, I'll pay back anything that's owed, and I'll guarantee that this guy is different. And even to Onesimus, he's saying, you know what? I'm sending you back, and I'm going to guarantee that Philemon will receive you and will treat you right. What a risky thing for Paul to do. It's illogical. It's unreasonable. It's, like, risky. Some might call it reckless. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. I I followed too many Christian meme pages. (laughs) Because you see where I'm going with this. I think the only reason that Paul could do this is because he had been in this situation as someone different. See, you see, Paul, Paul knew that this situation was played out in a very different way between him and the church. Paul persecuted Christians. He killed them. Killed. All of a sudden, stealing doesn't seem so bad. He killed them. And so naturally, the church didn't really like Paul. And they kind of wouldn't receive him. And I doubt they were preaching to him on street corners. But a certain person named Jesus literally appeared to Paul and to the people in the church. And Jesus said, hey guys, guess what? Paul, who was called Saul at the time, is going to come to your church and you're going to receive him and you're going to pray for him and you're going to pray that he be healed and you're going to lay hands on him and you're going to receive him as a brother. And then Jesus showed up to the guy and then Jesus showed up to Paul and he said, hey Paul, you're going to stop. You're going to change. You've been persecuting my believers. You've been persecuting me. You're going to change. And Jesus put himself as the guarantee in the middle. And Jesus took both sides on himself. And guess what? This story is actually played out with, this is the story of the gospel right here, with God on this side and all of us on the rest. We did God a massive wrong. Sometimes we sugarcoat the gospel like we were bad. No, we were, we were bad. We're despicable. If you look out through all of human history, what we've done Sometimes people use the term like wretched. 
And the Bible says that even the good things that we did were like filthy rags. Like every good thing you've ever done, not even counting all the bad things, not even counting all the bad thoughts, every good thing I've done is like filthy rags. There was a giant wall between us. And Jesus stepped in the middle and took both sides on himself. Jesus said to God the Father, every bit of punishment that you have for them that is right, that is just, I'll take it. Every bit, from start to finish. And Jesus said to us, he said, guess what, guys? You're going to change, and I'm going to guarantee that. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you so that you're going to be different than you are. That's my guarantee. And Jesus stood as the gap between us. Here's the thing, guys. Every relationship, every reconciliation, everything that you try to do that matters with people has to be rooted in that. Because otherwise, it's not going to work. Eventually, there's going to be a wall big enough. Eventually, things are going to stack up. Man, I'm learning this like hardcore with Claire as we get closer and closer to marriage. Like we started marriage counseling this week and it's great, but man, I'm confronted with how selfish I am in multiple ways because you're, you get used to things in your family. You just get used to things that you do and habits that you have and ways that things go. And then all of a sudden you have this person that you love, that you want to spend all of your time with and you want to hear every utterance out of their mouth and you just listen for the beautiful words, and then one day they turn to you and they say, I don't really like doing that. Can we stop? Or, why do you guys do that? Why do, you, why, do you always, why do we always have to do that? And I'm like, oh, oh boy. And that's an easy thing. That's like, okay, maybe we can change that. But all of a sudden she's like, you, you always disagree with me. Like, we were sitting in the car, and Claire's, Claire's been getting over flu bug, and... Uh, Oh my goodness, I hate, I hate telling stories about myself because it sounds so bad. And as soon as, I, as soon as I recount them, I realized how dumb I was. Claire was, Claire was sitting in the passenger seat and I was like, oh, babe, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing great. I'm feeling really sick. And I, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm glad I'm going to go to the doctor because then I'll get checked out and like, you know, maybe they'll be able to help me. And honestly, without thinking, without thinking, I was like, oh, it's probably nothing. Like, it's probably just like, I don't know, maybe you just had a bad day or something. She's like, babe, I've been sick for like a week. I've gone through like eight tissue boxes in the time that we, you picked me up. Did you just tell me I'm not sick? And I was like, oh, shoot. That's an easy example where I'm realizing how often I disagree with people. So my apologies to every time you've ever told me something. I've been like, no. That's not actually true. But here's the thing. Like, do you want to have an amazing marriage? Do you want to go really deep with someone? Do you want to have that lifelong commitment and love and happiness that we all dream of? Guess what? There's going to be things in the middle. And you're going to have to do this. Do you want to be part of a church even as fantastic as this? Because guess what? You can be part of a church as fantastic as this and still get really hurt. You can. And uh, some, there's, I'm happy. I just recently got over a bit of a hill, some things I was struggling with. But man, there's times when I just like, I don't want to come to Impact. I don't want to come to Sunday morning. The hype isn't worth all this. 
but because it's not about the hype. And it's not about it. And here's the thing. Ultimately, Paul, he actually uses this word, and it's going to become really familiar to you as I slowly write it out. Woo! Paul, Paul says, he ultimately says, he says, I want, I want koinonia to be restored between you. I want fellowship. I want, like, true love to be restored between you guys. Worship team, you can come on up. I'm going to be closing in a moment. Here's the thing, guys. The goal is not to tolerate each other. The goal is not to make it work. The goal is not to, you know, just like ignore it long enough so that we can go to impact together. The goal is, is that we would have koinonia with each other so that we could show that to the world. Because Jesus did this between us and God so that we, like Paul, could do this between each other and ultimately point to what happens between the world. But no one's going to believe this one, the story of us and Jesus and God, if they never see this one, the story of Onesimus, Paul, and Philemon. What we do here at Impact matters. What we do in our friendships matter. What we do in our marriage matters. It matters just as much for you, but it also matters for the gospel. Because Jesus himself said, guess what, guys? They're going to know me by your love for each other. They're going to see me in what you do to each other. When you stand in the gap between two people, when you play either side of this, they'll see me. So this is as much an invitation for us to continue the gospel story in and amongst each other. And as difficult as the gospel story was to read and to understand about what Jesus did, that's sometimes how difficult it's going to be for us to walk this out. Because standing in the gap isn't easy. Forgiving isn't easy. Going back isn't easy. But that's what God calls us to do. And the book of Philemon, the reason I believe it was included in the Bible is because it's such a practical example of how this works. Paul's, Paul's like, guys, you think this is just a conflict? I'm going to use this to demonstrate the gospel. I'm going to use this to demonstrate what Jesus did and what he's continuing to do in his church in that. This can come down now. We're going to go back into some worship, and, and here's the, the thing. If you feel challenged by this, good. I feel challenged by this. God's putting names in my head. God's putting me inside of there. Where some places where I'm Onesimus, some places where I'm Philemon, some places where I'm called to walk like Jesus. If this is making you think about how you do your relationships, that's good. If this is making you appreciate what Jesus did for you and the cost of what it means for the gospel, that's good. And as we go into worship, I want you guys to, to think and allow God to apply this into your life, whatever that looks like. For some of you tonight, maybe it's just reminding yourself that Jesus, Jesus is your guarantee. He's your guarantee to God the Father that you're forgiven, you're loved, that you are forever, eternally in a community of love with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. 
He's the guarantee of that. Maybe for some of you, it's Jesus is the guarantee that you're going to change. Some of you are facing things right now where it just feels like a cycle. Just every week, the same thing. Every school year, the same thing. Every relationship, the same thing. Jesus is your guarantee that he's going to take you out of that. And maybe for some of you, it's that you look at the top part and you go, okay, there's hope. Or there's a way forward in this relationship that I'm not sure how to do it. There's a way forward in figuring out how to live with my parents at home. There's a way forward in figuring out that friendship that's falling apart. There's a way forward in how do I talk to this person? How do I go back after what I said and what I did? And so I want to quick pray for all of you guys because I know the challenge of Philemon is not an easy one. It's not easy for you. It's not easy for me. But it's good. And it's ultimately what we're called to do as part of the church. We're called to receive what Jesus did for us and then walk that out in the world today. That's why we're still here. Your calling was to become a child of God. And now your calling is to live as the child of God in the world. Receiving, giving. Receiving, giving. Rooted and growing. For every, there's some plants, I forget which one, so you know, maybe look it up. But for some plants, for every, for every inch they grow out here, they grow two inches down there. For every, for every step you make out where everyone can see it, I truly believe there's two steps in understanding what God's done for you. For every moment that you change or you say, I'm going to do better, there's also two moments of understanding how much God loves you. So this worship time, don't get caught up in condemnation or that. Remember what God has done for you and then ask God to show you how you can do that in your world. Dear Jesus, I pray for every one of these impact youth and every leader and every person who's hearing this, whether it's over the internet or live tonight. God, you're so good and you can move in all of our lives. And I pray that you just show everyone how loved they are how you guarantee their forgiveness and salvation, and you also guarantee the change and the work that you're doing in them. And Lord, I pray that as we worship, that you would just fill us with your love and then show us how to reach out to other people. That the more we're filled, the more we grow, and that the more we grow, the more we're filled. Lord, let our roots go deep and our branches go far. But because we found you, in Jesus' name, you guys can stand and come forward.